So as I mentioned, chapter 16 is out on, uh, is out on the website. And if you are not um, computer literate or have a computer at your home, you're more than welcome to come in here to the office and we can set up a computer for you uh, so that you can watch that if you're, if you're that interested in, in, in hearing me talk. Um, we're going to now move on to the, to the next chapter, um, which is chapter 17 in the story. And uh, we're just really in a dark time in Israel. And sometimes you can just sit there and read this and you get all the king's names and all the rest of the good stuff. And, and, uh, and just, it just can really, really be the pets. But God is in control. And uh, I'm going to, uh, to read today um, partly from Jeremiah. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet the weeping prophet, because of how deeply he felt about the hard message that God had given him to deliver. He cried. And then after he had delivered the message, the people didn't listen, and he got to watch it all unfold. Now, my friends, it's easy for us to sit back and point at somebody else and say, oh, well, if they would just do it this way, that's easy. The hard part is when you are like Jeremiah and you have so much compassion for those that are going astray that you don't just stand by, that you enter their lives with the tough message of love and try and help God get them back on track. That's what it means to be a Christian. My friends, uh, and also as I go through this message, hear how it is a combination of a very stern warning. God's had enough. But God never leaves us without hope. So uh, don't miss the hope message as well. So here are these words. I'm going to begin out of the book of Jeremiah, uh, chapter 2, beginning of verse 12. This is God speaking. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked. Be utterly desolate, says the Lord. He's talking to all of the angels and creatures in heaven. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me. The fountain of living water, the very essence of life. They dug out cisterns for themselves. They're trying to get life from someone other than God. Cracked cisterns that can hold no water. And then uh, now let's turn to, uh, to Jeremiah and go on to verse 26 here. This is God continuing to talk. As a thief is shamed when caught, so the house of Israel shall be shamed. They, their kings, their officials, their priests, and their prophets who say to a tree, this is false idols, you are my father. 
and to a stone you gave me birth. For they have turned their backs to me and not their faces. But in their time of their trouble they say, Come and save us. But where are your gods that you made for yourself? Let them come if they can save you. In your time of trouble, for you have as many gods as you have towns, O Judah. Why do you complain against me? You've all rebelled against me, says the Lord. And now uh, uh, we'll go to another piece out of Jeremiah, to chapter 3. This is God speaking to, to Jeremiah. Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return, faithless Israel, says the Lord. Return. I've had enough of what you're doing, but now he's saying return. I will not look on you in anger, for I am merciful, says the Lord. I will not be angry forever. Listen, only acknowledge your guilt that you have rebelled against the Lord your God and scattered your favors among strangers under every green tree, meaning rocks and bushes and false idols, and have not obeyed my voice. Return, O faithless children, for I am your master. I will take you one from a city two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion. And now hear these words out of the book of Lamentations. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have, what's the word? Hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will, what's the word? Hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the soul that seeks Him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for one to bear the yoke in youth, to sit alone in silence when the Lord has imposed it, to put one's mouth to the dust. There may yet be hope. To give one's cheek to the smiter and be filled with insults. Life's hard, my friends. For the Lord will not reject forever. Although He causes grief, He will have compassion according to the abundance of His steadfast love. For He does not willingly afflict or grieve anyone. God doesn't want pain in your life. He doesn't willingly do it. You get to choose. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Join me in prayer.
Father, open our eyes, ears, hearts, and minds to the transforming power of Your Word. May we leave here today forever because of our encounter with it. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Teacher by the name of Sally Edwards is uh, really a highly respected third grade teacher in, in the Jacksboro Elementary School in a little small rural town in Texas. And to help her students prepare for an important, important placement exam, each year she helps out these third graders by compiling a practice exam for them. The exam has 20 questions on it to help them get ready. And one of the questions is, name the four seasons in order. 67% of the third graders listed the seasons as dove season, deer season, quail season, and turkey season. God bless the little kids in rural Texas. We laugh at that. We laugh at that. But my friends, uh, today's Christians are not much better. When asked about the Bible, many people say that an epistle is the wife of an apostle. For those who didn't get that, epistle means letter. And the epistles are the letters found in the New Testament. Some routinely think that one of the Ten Commandments is freedom of speech. It's not. Others list the Gospels as Matthew, Mark, Luther, and John. Today, you and I have the incredible advantage of knowing both God's ways, and this is important, and Satan's ways. It's right there for us. We can read what happened in the past, all that God does, all that God will do, how Satan interferes. It's right here in the Bible. It's right there in front of us. And yet we simply refuse to read the book. The ancient Jewish people found in chapter 17 are just like us. Now they didn't have the Bible during this time. What they did have was God sent messengers called prophets to deliver a message to them. And even though the message was right there in front of them, God's had enough. They refused to listen. So why? Why did the people of Israel, who had somebody standing right there in front of them, and why do today's people with this book that we probably have two or three of them in each of our houses, right there in front of them, why do they choose not to follow it? It's because of the great encourager 
It's because of the great encourager called sin. Sin's an encourager. Do you know what the word sin means? Sin actually comes out of a sport, archery. Comes out of a sport of archery. Now, what's the goal of an archer? Hit the bullseye, right? That's the goal. And when the archer shoots and misses the goal, misses the mark, fails to do what he's supposed to do, it's called a sin. It's called a sin. When you miss the mark, you sinned. And God has a bullseye for us to hit as well. And it's about the way we live our lives. Not out of some kind of rule book, punishment, but out of love. He has a plan for us. And and when we understand the incredible gift of salvation, it's out of love that we just say, we don't want to hurt Him anymore. I don't want to drive any more nails in His hands and feet. And not only when I live according to hitting God's bullseye, am I a lot more happier, but I also, it means that I draw people to God through the way that I live, and then I can give my testimony. So why is it so easy to sin? Why? Why is it so easy? It's because sin comes at us from three places. From three places. The first place that it comes is from our own sinful nature. I know we want to blame everything on the devil made me do it. But my friends, we are quite capable of sinning through our own little selves. It comes from us personally motivating ourselves to sin. I deserve that. I'm better than them. So before you go looking at the devil first, you have your own little motivator. The second place that it comes, it is encouraged by our fallen culture. It is encouraged by our fallen culture. There's all kinds of encouragers out there. And I'm, and, uh, I mean, for those of us that are going to watch the Super Bowl, kind of a tradition around my family is after they have a commercial, we, you know, we, we rate it one to ten. Right? I want you to really listen to those commercials if you're going to listen to the Super Bowl. And I want you to see what the culture is encouraging you to do. Eat it. Get it. Buy it. Right? It just comes from everywhere. One of the things that just simply amazes me is after I go spend some time in, in foreign countries such as Malawi, there's no sex in the advertisement. That's like considered bad. You watch TV. It's just simple little commercials about a product. And I don't notice it until I get on the airplane 
and fly to the airport in South Africa. That airport is a mega airport. Shops, pictures, and you walk through the chorus, and all of a sudden you just sit back, and everything's about sex and greed. I mean, you just go... I mean, you don't realize how bombarded you are in our culture. And then the third one is we can be encouraged by demonic spirits. Now, first of all, Satan is a finite being. He cannot be in all places at once. And quite frankly, most of us, in fact, I've never known anyone, a live person that says they've encountered Satan, simply because Satan can only be at one place at one time. So he, in order to get the most out of his time, investment, he generally is focused on much more powerful people than somebody like me. And second of all, Christians cannot be possessed. Possessed implies ownership. We are owned by Jesus Christ. But we can be oppressed. And demons or fallen angels can find their way to dig in and encourage us and motivate us to miss the mark. So it comes from all three of those places. The reason why sin is so easy. Missing the mark is so easy. And hitting the mark is so hard. Now, I... Please, friends, I want you to listen to what I'm about ready to say. Please. If you don't have a clear understanding of what it means to be a Christian and how Satan works, then I guarantee you will be misinformed, misencouraged, by your fallen nature, the culture, and demonic spirits. You are simply outnumbered. Now hope. See, God doesn't take anything that, that evil does and doesn't, doesn't do something good with it. Right? He takes a lemon and makes lemonade every time. You see, even in our ignorance, God uses missing the mark to get our attention in order to call us back. He uses it. He uses it. And God uses that sin, that missing a mark, through what John Wesley called convincing grace, also known as convicting grace right we reach the point and we see this convincing grace or convicting grace in ancient Israel the Jewish people have freely chosen to miss the mark based on all three of those areas they freely chosen and as they told God to get out God did he left And as he left, the the, the restraining power of the Holy Spirit withdraws and the protection withdrew. But God knew that all of their false idols and false gods were going to fail them. And they did. 
The country in this chapter, and we're just about ready to, to switch into it, the country of Israel is about ready to be completely destroyed. It is going to be overrun by Babylon, today's Iraq, and the people are going to be carted off to a foreign country. Right? God didn't, did, we said it as, as we preached it, you know, we're, you know, cry out to your rocks and your trees and your pride and your arrogance and all the rest of that stuff and let them fix it for you. Isn't that what you wanted? But God did not give up on them. Despite Satan's best efforts, God uses Satan's evil and failure to convince or to convict the people to return to God. Yeah, they're going to have to go through a really tough time before they get it. And today's scripture tells us that once we reach the point that we stand convicted or convinced that I'm following a false God and it ain't working, what we need to do. And I'm going to paraphrase this one a little bit for you here. Out of Jeremiah 3, 12, 1 to 14a, a paraphrase. Return faithless, he said Israel. I'm going to say return faithless Christians says the Lord, I will not look on you in anger, for I am merciful, says the Lord. Only acknowledge, here's what you got to do, only acknowledge your guilt that you have rebelled against the Lord your God and have not obeyed my voice, says the Lord. Return. Do you hear, do you hear his heart? Return, O faithless children, says the Lord. Now for the uh, personal questions and the message of hope. Where has your fallen nature encouraged you to miss the bullseye? Where have you let the culture encourage you to miss the mark? Where has a demon dug in in your life and is coaching you to miss the mark? And now the message of hope. Where is God using that sin in your life to convict you and convince you to return to Him? Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? I don't know where you're at. You had something that's really eating at you? Why not today? Right now? Why wait? Let the conviction do something incredible for you. Run quickly back to the Lord. 
Tell him what you did wrong. He doesn't need, he already knows it. But there's power when you speak it. It's gone. Tell him what you did wrong, and then, my friends, get ready for the Holy Spirit to lift you about a hundred feet in the air. Lighten your load, get you back on track. You know how exciting it is when you hit the bullseye? That little dance you do? There's golfers in here. I've seen you do that dance. Right? Get ready to return to the Lord. And what a better time than during communion. My friends, communion is God's table. And, 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 it, and it's, a, it's a bad representation of what's going to happen. All right? Now, we're an apostolic church. That means that from one of the disciples, he has laid hands on a minister clear down through to the time that the bishop laid hands on me. We're connected back. Right? And that connection back goes back to the disciples sitting at the very table of Christ. So here we have a representation of Jesus Christ. Here we have a representation of His table. And you get to come and sit at it. What a better time to spend some time after you take communion. What a better time to kneel down Let God convict you because it's a beautiful thing. And get it out. And then as you stand up, do a little dance back to your seat. Join me in prayer. Dear glorious and gracious Father, I am so thankful that yes, life is hard. And there it seems just almost endless because there are so many there people that are pulling on our bow and making us, encouraging us to miss the mark. Sometimes we reach the point that we give up. But it's just about the time that we get ready to give up that we get a chance to see you, your loving arms, saying, have you had enough of your false gods? Come on back and let me show you the real God. In Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen.